0: Colorado lawmakers are barreling towards the end of their annual legislative session.
1: You can tell that the Capitol is alive. There's lots of people here. It'll be a busy week. We're gonna get a lot done. It'll be a bit of a whirlwind to look back and see all the policy we got across the finish line.
0: From member-supported CPR News, this is Purplish, a show about Colorado politics and democracy. I'm Benta Berkland here with my colleague, Andrew Kenny. Hey.
1: Hello. It's going to be a whirlwind and we're barreling across the finish line. We're mixing metaphors, <laughs> but it gets at the truth, which is that there's a lot of stuff going on right now. So today, you know, with lawmakers racing against the constitutionally required deadline, we're going to go over everything that's happening in this kind of wild time of year.
0: That's right. And we're recording this episode of Purplish on Thursday morning, May 27th. By the time you hear this, Maybe 20 bills will have passed, and they'll still be in some 2 a.m. debate, guaranteed to happen.
1: But we're going to do our best to catch up with everything. And I have a confession to make first, though, Benta. Would you like to hear it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this Tuesday was, what are we, in the fourth month of the session now? Mm, yeah. This Tuesday was the first time I've been in the building since the pandemic started. Really? Really? Yeah, I stayed out for most of this session because we have this newborn baby and I just wasn't ready to go back in yet.
0: I guess I was thinking you had been there at some point.
1: Nope. I just seemed like I was because I've been watching on YouTube and texting people about what's going on to make it seem like I'm, I'm there.
0: <laughs> so what was that like for you?
1: Well, so first thing was that I was really worried that I was going to have to like iron all this clothing and stuff, but I opened up my closet and I realized that my suit and tie and stuff had just been hanging there untouched and ironed since basically the pandemic began i must have gotten ready that week and and laid all my clothes out and then just never went back
0: (laughs) wow that's crazy
1: but i got in there and and i was shocked to see the capitol building this week was just bustling no masks people giving dramatic speeches at the well lobbyists everywhere and Mm -hmm. and has it been like this not the whole time
0: no definitely not you know and, and i have been at the capitol a lot um Last year over the summer, and then there was a special session and then all this session. And I can definitely say you came in at the exact moment everything started opening hmm. up. So it was just the other day that the plexiglass separating lawmakers' desks, uh-huh. that was removed. And we do have the hustle and bustle and crowds of lobbyists and th- that mark the end of a typical legislative session. So it feels back to normal in a way.
1: Yeah, you know, being in there, it gave me the distinct sense that a lot of lawmaking was happening.
0: Right. There was a recent tweet from Michael Booth. He's a journalist for The Colorado Sun, and it stood out to me because he said, this is the time of year when lawmakers get 95 percent of their visible work done in 5 percent of the time. (laughs) And I think that's kind of right. I mean, he was he was joking a little bit, I'm sure. But many major policies that lawmakers have been talking about all session, even before session, ran on some of these policies, Mm -hmm. are going to come down to these final days. And I think it's worth pointing out that the Constitution does require that lawmakers have to end this legislative session on June 12th, and that's a Saturday.
1: They could end earlier if they wanted.
0: Yeah, that's the goal, but I'm definitely planning on midnight Saturday.
1: (laughs) Sounds like a party. Well, I was there for the public option, which has been one of the big attention-grabbing bills. I've been following it for months and months. And it took up hours of debate on Tuesday and on Wednesday. But what was mind-blowing to me was that this was just one of the gigantic bills that's trying to come down for a landing this week.
0: Right. Yeah, there's so much stuff. We've got a proposal to restrict teens' access to highly potent marijuana. Yeah, that's a
1: controversial one.
0: It was, but it's actually getting pretty widespread support in the legislature. But the idea had a lot of moving parts, for sure, in negotiations and then tax reform, criminal justice reform. A package of gun laws more than the state's ever passed since 2013, measures to help undocumented immigrants.
1: Yeah, then you've also got their giant transportation bill, some major changes around housing and renters' rights.
0: Don't forget the legislation that would codify some of the governor's climate goals. And there's been a bit of a standoff there between Democrats and Governor Jared Polis. And I know a lot of people are watching that piece of legislation.
1: That seems like the big bill that's fate is still a little bit of unsettled because of the conflict with the governor. But overall, a lot of these seem to be coming in like they're going to get some big priorities done, even if it's not in the exact form they imagined at first.
0: At this time of year, there is this rapid speed of legislation because they have this hard deadline when the session must end. And that means bills can die on the calendar that happens every year. Another thing is some of the rules change in the final weeks, which mm. can even speed up things even more. Yes,
1: yeah, so they're now at this phase where like, it's a giant group project, so naturally all the work waits for the end, and now they're pulling all-nighters to get it done.
0: Yeah, and you know in the earlier part of the session, there's specific rules on when public hearings have to be announced and when committee hearings happen and how they happen. In the final weeks, those things can be suspended and a host of other rules as well, and so... The calendar, in a lot of ways, is made up on the fly. (laughs) I mean, even during regular session, there's fluidity there. But at some point, lawmakers hold committee hearings on the chamber floors and they're scheduled at the last minute.
1: Yeah. And what that means is that this is the time of year that it gets really hard for an outsider to keep track of what's going on. That's part of the reason why I'm going back into the building now. You know, even small stuff like there's all these amendments happening to a bill like the public option and they don't really update the summaries very fast. So it can be hard to tell what exactly they're doing. You mean
0: that there's a, a summary online. It has the bill and then it has a few paragraphs summarizing what the bill does.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and if you want to be able to know what's going on, that's not going to help you anymore because things are changing too fast.
0: And I rely on those summaries. I read bills, too. But it is a really nice way to just get a clear idea of what a bill does. So you're right. You can't just look at those and think, oh, OK, this is the summary. You know, you have to dive in a little deeper. Yeah. I think for the public, too, it's hard to know when a hearing is going to begin. So I recently <laughs> was listening to Senate State Affairs Here's Democratic Senator Julie Gonzalez. She chairs the Senate State Affairs Committee, and she's gaveling the meeting to order. Buenas noches, everyone. Senate State Affairs will come to order. Senator Cook.
1: Here. Buenas noches. Simpson. What time of night was Senator this Cohen. exactly?
0: Well, it started a little bit after 8 o'clock. Okay. Uh, guess what time it ended.
1: Mm, well, what, what did they? how much did they have to do?
0: They had a lot of bills. Um, measures to expand universal background checks for gun purchases, creating an office of gun violence prevention, banning businesses from providing single-use plastics, wow. producing styrofoam, a hate crimes bill. That was just a few.
1: Wow, that is a real, real basket of different uh, topics. I'm going to guess uh, 4.20 a.m.
0: Oh, wow. Well, no, it was not that <laughs> late. <laughs> it was after a little after 2 a.m.
1: God, that would ruin me.
0: Yeah. And the public testimony for the bill on single-use plastics, that didn't begin until after one in the morning. The testimony portion goes pretty fast when it begins after one in the morning.
1: Yeah, because no one's there. Um, It's funny because Colorado is unique because it has this setup where it's supposed to kind of guarantee citizen engagement by saying every bill gets one of these hearings. But when the hearings pile up, they end up happening in the middle of the night, and you can kind of ask, like, is this really fulfilling the spirit of that law? Like, is this actually citizen engagement if you have to be up at two in the morning to do it?
0: These bills did come from the other chamber the House, so they did have lengthy hearings in the (laughs) House, but... This is a second chance for the public to testify. I've covered a lot of hearings that go through the morning hours, but usually those are hearings that start at 2.30, 3, 4 p.m. in the afternoon. And then it's just a really long hearing that extends through midnight. I haven't covered a lot of stuff where the hearing begins after 1 in the morning.
1: On the other hand, though, they have opened up remote testimony this year, which has made it a little bit easier. And you can also give written testimony, although it doesn't seem to have the same weight.
0: Yeah, I think there's more options that the legislature adopted due to the pandemic prior to this, designated bills had remote testimony capabilities and you had to go to a certain location. And I personally think it's a great thing that they've opened up remote testimony. So if someone has internet access, they can testify wherever they are. I think it expands access because it's not always easy for people to get down to the Capitol. And Mm -hmm. especially depending upon where you live in the state, it's not very feasible.
1: They have not, however, managed to invent any more hours in the day The other half to this equation, you know, besides all the committee meetings and stuff, is that everything's coming to dramatic conclusions on the chamber floors where you're seeing these last ditch speeches, these last stands by Republicans saying like, okay, it looks like you're going to pass this. I hope you're ready to live with it. And Democrats trying to make sure that they have enough of their colleagues support to get things across the line. Like we were kind of talking about a little earlier, it seems like a lot of the big stuff is, despite a ton of amendments and some resistance and some question marks, a lot of the big stuff does look like it'll get done in some form this year. What have you thought about Democrats' ability, now that we're almost to the end, to actually pass their agenda this year?
0: I think Democrats are really flexing their political muscles, if you will. Last session was curtailed because of COVID. They have a very wide majority in the legislature, and Mm -hmm. this is their third year of having that. A lot of new lawmakers were elected in November, and people have big ambitions that they were elected on, and they have a trifecta. They wanted to get a lot done, and I think they did get a lot done. They will have gotten a lot done. Definitely frustrating for people with different political views and don't agree with necessarily that democratic policy agenda. But we've seen a lot of substantive bills, even if it's not exactly as they were originally proposed. Like you said, they'll be getting something done, I think, on a lot of their major policy priorities and and not totally done yet, because as we're pointing out, the final few days is when it'll all come together.
1: Yeah, that's right. So even though Democrats have, have figured out how to get their caucus together and what compromises will pass and how to plant their flag on some of this stuff, there's still the question of time because they do have a hard deadline before they have to adjourn. Mm hmm. And that means that Republicans increasingly have leverage to try to slow down or stop some of these bills. Republicans have different abilities to make those steps take longer, right?
0: Yes, that's right. The Colorado Supreme Court ruled recently that Republicans have the ability to request a bill be read at length mm. so that goes back to the early days of Colorado becoming a state when not every lawmaker could read. And so you can request that a bill be read.
1: Did not know that.
0: Yes, and I think it forces Democrats to be really strategic about when they move forward legislation based on how long a bill is. Yeah, This just came up the other day on the floor of the Senate. Here's uh, Democrat Rachel Zenzinger.
1: The motion is to lay over Senate Bill... 271, all 300 pages of it to the bottom of the calendar, just in case. All those in favor say aye. aye. Those opposed, no. no.
0: The ayes have it.
1: Those no's sounded depressed.
0: Yeah, and they moved it to the back of the calendar because if a Republican had decided to read that bill at length, 300 pages takes a long time to get through. And that's going to push everything else on the calendar until the early hours mm-hmm. of the morning and then. Committee hearings start at 5 a.m. I mean, at some point they do have to pause and go home, get some sleep. I mean, they they can't be in the building 24 hours a day. So it will delay things when bills are read at length.
1: It's fascinating because policy is serious stuff that affects people's real lives, but it becomes this bizarre kind of like war game at the end of this where Republicans can take their little chances to burn off a few minutes here and there reading an amendment. And Democrats, I would love to see like the Google calendar or whatever that they're keeping track of all this stuff on.
0: It's one of the ways that Republicans who don't have a majority in either chamber can really exercise some power and Democrats can try to counter that. I think we've seen more of the bill reading in the House this session. And what's interesting is a computer can read the bill. It still has to be intelligible. But in the House, we've seen members actually reading bills. One of the people who's done it a lot is Republican Representative Richard Holtorf. He's a first-year lawmaker. He has a very deliberate speed. And so this is a sound we've gotten used to hearing on the House floor.
1: So I just think we need to know what's in this. So I'm going to take some time and read this. Um, it starts with the bill for an act concerning modifications to certain statutes governing the conduct. Of elections so that and I I
0: listened to about 45, 50, maybe an hour of that, and now, of then course, someone else stepped that, in. It, it, that for a that while. For you he was,
1: listened to an hour of that.
0: It was on. Yeah, I mean, it was. It's in the Are you background. Trying to go to sleep. <laughs> well, you know what? It was like. close to when I would have liked to go to sleep.
1: It's basically like we're at one of those car dealership contests where whoever keeps their hands on the Volkswagen Beetle for the longest amount of time gets to walk home with it. Whoever can wait out the other side is going to win here.
0: In some ways. I mean, Democrats have a majority, so they do have a lot of leverage here Uh. because they control the calendar. They have the votes. But I think it's a way that the minority party can really exert some power to potentially make Democrats pick and choose which policies to really focus on. And every minute they're reading a bill at length or an amendment, especially in these final days, does have a a really big impact. So I think I'll be curious to see how much it's deployed.
1: Democrats have one way of fighting back, and it's the question of how late does everybody want to stay up every night for the next two plus weeks?
0: I covered the legislature in 2012 when it was the final night of session. And there was a huge delay on the House floor when a civil unions bill, Republicans didn't want that to become law. Uh-huh. The civil unions bill failed and so did a host of other bills. Huh. And Democratic Governor John Hickenlooper at the time just called everyone back for a special session. So, <laughs> I mean, I think for a lot of us, that's the worst case scenario. I don't think anyone wants to come back for another special it's session. it's already
1: June and it gets hot in that building. That's true. So heat and sleep could be determining factors in what happens here.
0: I I think that's right, Andy. I mean, for any normal person, and definitely people need different amounts of sleep, but getting little sleep and being under time pressure and some of these things are contentious. Nerves can get frayed and it's been a tough year, longer than a tough year. So, I think the end is in sight. And I would say there's definitely been some tough moments this session. I think it's been a hard session, but I don't want to jinx anything. I feel like overall, people have kept it together more than they could have.
1: Like I said earlier, I got a six month old, so kind of gotten used to no sleep.
0: So, for the 3 a.m. hearing, you're just like ready to go. So as we're wrapping up this episode, we always like to take a step back and look at those moments where we say, wait, what? And I think there was a lot throughout this episode where we could say that, whether it's the 1 a.m. hearing or, oh, wait, what? I guess I'm not surprised anymore. This person's reading a bill. (laughs) But there's all these moments, especially at the end of the session, where you're like, wait, that's actually happening. But for this wait, what? We decided to take it out of the state capitol a little bit to something that we just... Could not let go. Maybe we wanted to, but we just
1: could not. We had to do it. Well, I'm just a billion, 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 and I'm sitting here on Capitol Hill. Oh, yeah.
0: Our colleague Caitlin Kim in DC was the first person who sent me this video on Twitter from Senator Hickenlooper and I clicked play and had to listen to it, so now you do too.
1: To the border, and not and those I say this with kindness, but just for some reason, I thought he could do like Devil Went Down to Georgia, like he was just <laughs> going to be ripping one out like Earl Scruggs. Maybe it was because I'd seen him on stage with famous people and probably more he could play with like my dad's group of random old men who play stringed instruments in the backwoods of New Hampshire.
0: I could totally see him doing that.
1: And you know what? I do want to hear Hick play without singing. Maybe he can play a little bit faster, but I could keep up with him. Maybe me and Hick, get it together.
0: I'd like to see that. I'll record that. <laughs> no. That's it for this week's episode. We'll be back in your feeds next week. Purplish is a production of member-supported Colorado Public Radio. Learn about becoming a member and join today at cpr.org. I'm Benta Berkland with my colleague Andrew Kenny.
1: You can find us on Twitter to keep up with everything we've talked about this week and more. I'm at Andy KNNY.
0: I'm at Benta Berkland. This is Purplish from CPR News.
1: If you'd like to take the grand tour. What the hell are you singing? George Jones?